podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is a View from the Bridge official podcast of the Belfast Giants for KingdomoftheGiants.com. Today's Thursday, the 3rd of January 2019. And my name's Patrick Smith. Happy New Year, everybody. It's the first podcast of a brand new year for us here at A View From The Bridge. And unfortunately, it's not going to be one that's hosted by me. A few things happening at home, a bit of a bug going around means that I need to put my priorities elsewhere. But in David, Simon and Joel, you've got one hell of a team to take you through this week's podcast. They'll be looking back at the three games at the SSE Arena over the weekend and having a chat with Colin Shields before looking ahead to what is going to be a very exciting weekend at the SSE not only with the two games against the Sheffield Steelers, but those two NCAA Friendship Series games between Clarkson and North East. And so, without a further ado, I hand it over to my good friend and colleague, Mr. David McJimsey. Thanks, Patty, for for that intro there. Obviously, um, not the first person to phone in sick on the first day back to work, but um, it's uh, it's left with uh, with me to try and get things moving along here. So, first of all, introduce our lovely panel of Mister Kitchen. How are you? I'm very good, David. How are you? Happy New Year, sir. Happy New Year to you, and Happy New Year to the big deal, the real deal, Joel Neil. I thought you were still talking about says there. Ah. <laughs> How are you, Joe? Happy New Year. All good, mate. Happy New Year. It was very good to see you back in country for a few days over Christmas, Davey, up in the box, which says there. Uh, nice to catch up. It was lovely. And we'll, let's talk about it again. I was, I was very delighted to be to be asked to, to join, says, on Giants TV for the game last week there against the Milton Keen Lightnings. A 5-1 win for the Giants. Goals from Lewis Hook, um, a hat-trick from Captain Blair Riley, and another from Darcy Murphy. Pretty straightforward win, Simon. Yeah, um, to be honest, I don't think we'd have got out of first gear. We didn't really need to get out of first gear. Um, I thought the boys put on a, uh, a performance that uh, you would expect. Again, it's difficult. You know, you've had a, a few extra mince pies and um, a few extra uh, turkey dinners over the December period. It's, you know, to get going and stuff after three or four days off. And uh, I just thought it was a professional performance, doing exactly what needed to be done. Um Coming up, uh, and it was an early enough goal to, to get things rolling. MK did all right, um, but you know we, we beat them. I thought it was five times already this season, um, and I was expecting no difference. So uh, coming out with the two points is important to, to try and push on for the rest of that week. Um, and it didn't all go as planned, as we all well know. Bit of a sleepy performance um, all around, Joel. Adam Goss, a bit of a highlight for Milton Keynes and Nets? Definitely. I mean, in terms of us, you know, if you're coming out of Christmas and you're faced with a three and three straight away, it's pretty much the perfect fixture. And I don't mean any disrespect to the Milton Keynes Lightning, um, but they're obviously finishing their third game in three days. They had just been beaten by the Guilford Flames twice in two nights. Um, they had started back up netminder Adam Goss. And to be honest, as, as you boys have said, the Giants really coasted this. You know, they, they maybe hit second gear tops. Um, uh, it was just perfect. Uh, uh, professional is the word, but you have to hand it to Adam Goss. I think he faced something like, we outshot them, was it 57 to 
20, I can't remember what the, the final shot clock was, um, but he was absolutely peppered with something like 57 shots. Um, and to only actually let in five, I think, is a, is a decent performance. You could tell his defense in front of him was absolutely gassed. Um, the Giants were clinical. They didn't have to uh, put anything to the extreme, but they got the kind of feet from under them again. Um, you know, it was it was uh, what we needed coming out of the Christmas period. If you could pick your fixtures, um, maybe not a, a three and three, as we'll talk about a bit later on. There were a couple of mentions of that in the TFA questions. But if you have to face a three and three, uh, a sort of professional performance like that over the Milton Keynes Lightning is, is the way you want to start. And says we talked about it on Giants TV, 57 shots against the, the number of shots off target that he has to track. You know, whenever there, there's a, ha- a habit teams kind of get into when they see a backup and that's, you know, the smell of blood in the water, we can get a little bit individualistic, which I thought we did at times through that game. But Adam Goss, you know, we picked him as man of the match on the night. He, he had a really, really strong performance in between the pipes. Yeah, he played really well, David. He had, uh, you, you, what, what you usually find is when, when your backup comes in, the defense or the coach tells him, like, you know, guys, you need to take care of this and, you know, don't be getting, as uh, uh, one of our coaches used to say, Lucy Goosey, uh, you know, you've got to make sure you're protecting the net and you've got to make sure you're protecting him at all times. Um, you know, again, he, he pulled off a number of, of saves that he had no right to pull off, to be honest. Um, I thought that, you know, obviously, Hookie got the first goal and uh, Blair Riley a couple. And, and uh, you know, by that stage, when Darcy Murphy, I think it was, got, was it Murphy got the fourth one? Yeah. Murph got the fourth goal. And by that stage, you know, it's, it's game done and dusted. Kiefer's running the five of the four lines, or the three, well, as much as three lines and, and a bet that he possibly could. Uh, just trying to guys, guys ice them because it's three and three for us. And that's the start of three and three for us at that time. Uh, it was going to be difficult, but. You know, again, the only disappointing thing for the for the game itself for me was giving up that goal for Shudra. Um, you know, I thought we needed to, I thought we should have actually put the game to bed, still protected uh, Besco and Nets, um, try to give him as easy a night as possible. But, uh, you know, with Shudra getting the jump on, I think it was, I think it was Josh Roach. Uh, Josh is caught a little bit flat-footed flat and, I was on in front of so it was a lovely pass through the middle by the uh, the, the Latvian guy, uh, Gulagovs. So uh, they finished it off. Nice wee, uh, you know, backhand effort just below the, the five hole to, to finish it off. So it, it, all in all, as I say, professional performance, getting everything done and dusted when you need to get it done and uh, picking up at two points. And Simon, just come back to one of Joel's favourite subjects. Blur really, and the captain coming up with a hat trick and like two absolutely fantastic breakaway goals on the on the evening. Yeah, I mean Ryan's played very well. Um, you know, he it, he's been obviously, you know, Darcy's got a bit of plaudits for uh, for the hat tricks he's picked up this season. Uh, but that that trio of of uh, Riley, uh, Rudy, and and uh, Darcy Murphy, that's been the best line in the league. Um, you know, we, we sat top of the league for, for much of it um, this season. I know Cardiff went top for 24 hours and, and they've picked up a, another win there uh, the other night to, to push back within one point and still got uh, a couple of games in hand. So it's it's still a long, long way to go. Um, but I think that the main, and we'll probably talk about this later in the show, you know, having only of uh, Darcy Riley and Rudy that are supplying goals to you on a regular basis at the minute is concerning. 
Um, you know, if one of those guys, heaven forbid, if one of those guys get down injured, what do we do? Um, you know, it's it's not the same chemistry. I mean, you're dropping somebody else in on the line, and and uh, you know, uh, Paddy Dwyer, uh, Kyle Bonds, uh, get through a bit of a tough time at the minute after starting like a house on fire. I think it's twelve now on uh, that he hasn't um, scored a goal. So you know, we we really do need to start getting uh, secondary scoring and and, uh, and chipping in from the back end as well, which. You know, it did happen over the weekend. Um, obviously, Josh uh, Roach uh, picked up a goal on, on coast. So it, it's important to try and get those other lines going as well, David. And then, obviously, we'll move on to, to the following night. And the Glasgow clan come into Belfast, take a bit of a, I mean, not a shock 3-0 lead. They were, they were probably good value for, for a 1-0 lead. But the Belfast Giants, you know, uh, sort of let them off a little bit and... Uh, they moved into three 0 lead, and then, of course, this the the, the comeback sparked by a, a few maybe ill-disciplined penalties from from the Brayhead clan. Fitzgerald Haywood taking sort of bad calls and lost their head a little bit, and you know David Rutherford comes up with a couple of power play markers. Dustin Johnner with a lovely one in from the top of the circles, just into the slot, and finishes low off the post. And you know the Belfast Giants at that stage three each and all the play for, and we go four three, we go five three. Great call from yourself on, on Giants TV, and obviously they come back with thirty seconds to go to, to to make the score a wee bit tighter towards the end. But you know, a great comeback win from the Giants. Yeah, um, I thought it was a brilliant game. <laughs> really, it was one of the best games I've seen at the SSE this season. Hop without a shadow of a doubt. Um, you know, they you, you said there that you know you thought they deserved. I, I thoroughly thought they deserved their league. Um, the first period, we were not good enough. It's uh, you know, it's um, Glasgow came in uh, a couple of days rest. We're playing our second in two nights. Um, we, 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 I don't think, I don't think we were, say, we were anywhere near good enough in the first period. Uh, they won all the battles along the wall. Um, and that was for the first 30, 32, 33 minutes. Um, you, you touched on the, you know, they picked up a, uh, their captain picked up a bad penalty for slashing. I think it was behind the net. Uh, stupid, stupid penalty from Fitzgerald. But, you know, he, he's, he's prone to it. You know, he's, he takes stupid penalties all the time. The second one was uh, the kid, uh, Matty Haywood. He does not need to make that call. They're 3-1 up. They're, I mean, ultimately, they're dominating. They're, I mean, they're 3-0 up. They're dominating the game. And they take two stupid, stupid penalties. Um, their coach was not happy with them. He also wasn't happy with, when I interviewed him after the game, um, about he, he was talking about he wasn't happy with the officials. He thought there were some uh, soft calls. I tend to agree with him. I do think there was a couple of soft calls. I also think it was there was a few non calls that should have been called. Um, but David, like we've been to Glasgow, we've been to Fife, we've been to Dundee, we've been to the other rinks. We've been on the wrong end of of soft calls. Um, we've been on the wrong end of of referees that maybe you're sitting thinking that uh, you know you need to try and pick up a win because. Uh, <laughs> Do you know what? Scottish referees really do need to try and get a bit more consistent. Um, and I'll probably get in trouble for that, but that's just the way it is. Uh, you know, they need to, they really do need to try and, and uh, call the, the game the way it should be called because it's difficult going over there and playing against an extra man to a certain extent. But uh, the, the, the game on, on Saturday night, five unanswered goals. Rudy picked, or two, Rudy's two finishes were, you know, top, top notch. First one, top corner. Second one with a backhand. Um, you know, I, I thought he was 
thought he was excellent and uh, played really well. But none of it happens. None of it happens without the uh, timeout being called by Adam. Within a minute and a half, Big Jimbo comes in, lays a big hit on uh, that kid, uh, uh, Mac Howlett, um, down low along the wall. Big, big hit. A lot of people called for penalties on it. Referee was standing right there, didn't think so. I didn't, you know, at the time I thought it was maybe a little bit high, but Jim's, you know, Jim's six foot one and the kid's five foot nine. I heard somebody saying, oh, but he's only 18, he's only, you know, five foot seven. What a load of nonsense. He's wearing a different colour top. You go through him to get the puck. That's it. End off. Adam and through McGranny to get the puck. That's just the way it is. He's in the wrong spot at the wrong time. Tyson Wilson jumps in. Good spurted bout between the two of them. Jimbo coming out on top. That lifted the building. It lifted the bench. And then within a couple of minutes, um, we got the penalty from uh, Fitzgerald. We went on. Never looked back after that. Once we, uh, even 3-0 down, I didn't think that we were in any danger. I genuinely thought we were going to get back into that game. Um, 24 hours later, it was a different kettle of fish. <laughs> it was even 2-0 up. It wasn't comfortable. But 5-3. Um, up and you know, say they score with thirty seconds to go. You're sitting thinking, "Oh God, no!" You know, just see this game out, and that's exactly what we did. Joel, we're just talking there about um, you know Adam Keith and his use of timeouts. He's done it quite a bit over his two season and a bit in charge. And you know, Saturday night there are no different. He called a timeout whenever it went three 0 down, and he read the riot act, and there was a reaction. Yeah, I, uh, it was one of the questions I asked him down in the tunnel after the game. You know, whenever uh, you called the timeout at 3-0 down, what did you say? You know, what was your message to the boys? And, and his eyes sort of looked into the middle distance and he said, I can't remember. <laughs> you know, he, he had absolutely no idea. He just he said that he wanted to display his own passion in order to convey that to the boys. You know, yes, we're in we're in one here. It's, it's a three-game weekend. I know you're going to be tired. I know we're 3-0 down. But this is what's required if you want to be a championship team. You know, it was it was my favorite quote I think of the season. You know, I, I asked him uh, as well if the boys were tired, and and he, and he was saying, you know, yes, they're tired. I'm sure they're sore. I'm sure they're hurting. But he's also sure that that's what it takes to win a championship in this league. And listen, Adam Keith knows that. Adam Keith was the guy that blocked two shots with his body against the Sheffield Steelers in his first season in 2012 in order to clinch a championship in Belfast. He was the guy that would have, would have thrown his own body in front of any shot in the world in order to keep us out of a, of, of a game. Even if it was a nothing game, it was just the way he was wired. And, and he's still that coach. And sometimes I think the boys just need to be reminded of that. They need to see that fire in his eyes. Um, it, it's just, it's Adam Keith hockey. Uh, if, if we can, unfortunately, Keith can't lace up the skates and do it out there anymore. But if he can convey that passion onto his players, then the the, the possibilities and, and the, the, the opportunity we have to get it back into any game is, is just limitless and we'll have to get your take on on the incident that happened almost straight away you know one of his leaders comes off the bench decides now's the time to get really physical and drops the boom on on the the clan player who's coming up the wall and you know i think it's um wilson jumps in for the fight um that that ensues afterwards i've heard a lot of well i haven't heard i've, I've read a lot of wheeling and gnashing of teeth mostly <laughs> I, I would have expected it to come from glasgow most of it has came from south wales um Interestingly enough, um, they weren't too happy with the hit, but you know, wasn't reviewed by Pre Clan. They obviously felt game over, move on. 
Yeah, obviously Cardiff, the, the the you know the bastion of sportsmanship. They're always worried about keeping the game nice and clean. It's absolutely nothing to do with the fact that we're nipping away at their toes. Um, the the hit itself uh, probably borderline. Um, it was aggressive. It was all out. He, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't think there was malicious intent with it. He just intended to go in and to deliver a firm hit to 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 sort of um, to light up the game to deliver on what Adam Keefe had just said to him. It's not as if he went out to injure anybody. I don't buy for a second the takes about oh he's he's a young guy. You know he's not a physical player. If you lace up the gear in that league, you know the style of play that's out there. You don't get special treatment. Uh, if Jim Vandermeer comes after you, then he's coming after you. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Um, fair play to Tyson Wilson for, for dropping the gloves. Um, he got the wheels bit off him, to be fair. Um, and that was, in a moment, the, the difference maker, the atmosphere changer, the turning point of that game. Um, obviously, the Glasgow clan played themselves out of a 3-0 lead, but you can be terrible. You can be taking cheap uh, interference penalties, cheap slashes, cheap face-off infractions. But if there's uh, not a team on the other end of that, and if there's not a power play unit that's going to deliver and that's going to start smacking pucks into the net, then it doesn't matter. You know, you can only lose a game so far yourself. You need to have a team that's going to respond. Jim Vandermeer's instant reaction to what the coach wants uh, indicates to me that he knows exactly Adam Keefe's mindset. He's played at the highest level in the world. He's been super, super physical at the highest level in the world. It was the very thing that we needed. And my goodness, what a night. Well, I'll give you the very final as the king of Boomerang Corner. I'll give you the very final, <laughs> very final word in this game before we move on. 3-0 down to a 5-4 win. Does that just encapsulate everything that you want out of a, out of a game against the clan? Absolutely magnificent. I know that there's uh, differing opinions on uh, on the, the Belfast Giants relationship with the Glasgow clan. But um, honestly, you know, from, from speaking with one or two friends that are, that are clan fans and, and within the clan organization as well, I think both sides are, are keen to have that kind of bit of fierce rivalry, to have a bit of spice added to the games. You know, it's the closest geographically, I think, team that we have to us. You know, I, I sort of tongue-in-cheek called it the Irish Sea rivalry in my game report on kingdomofthegiants.com. It's nothing but good news for the league. You know, Brayhead, Glasgow, whatever you want to call them, bring an absolutely monstrous away travel and support to Belfast whenever they get the opportunity, but so do the Belfast Giants. We fill buses, and you know what? You sell ice hockey games, you sell the commitment of spending hundreds of pounds to go to an away game. You sell it based on a story. You don't go if it's, if it's all very well and good. Yeah, I respect them. Very good. Hope we get the win. If you see a fixture coming up across the water that's against a team that you've had previous against and they bring hundreds to your barn, you're going to take hundreds to their barn because you're passionate. You want to get one over on them. It's the very basis. It's the it's the core of why we love this sport. So fair enough. Some people don't hate the clan as much as <clears> other teams, whatever else. But to be honest, I do. They do my head in. They do so many things wrong. Um, I think their fan base are entitled. I think they're whining and complaining. They cover over the fact that they cannot win a championship for love nor money despite the fact that they've got every opportunity great facilities and it annoys them it really really annoys them they go and play the atmosphere card they go and play oh the giants the only cheer for a pizza i don't care i don't care what they think as long as we're <laughs> feeding them their dinner i'm happy enough screw the clan <laughs> <laughs> is that all you needed, Damien? Is that what you're after? <laughs> That's all I needed, and you can get the highlights of that um, from our good friends at Jans TV with coverage from, I think it was uh, Sam Kitchen and Matt Toe on the night. And then we move on to Sunday, where the Dundee Stars came into Belfast and we've had our troubles with the Stars this season. But 
things looked rosy in the first 10 minutes of the game. You know, we jumped out to a 2-0 lead. Goals again. Dustin Jonner coming up with another one. Darcy Murphy getting the goal. Then it kind of starts to, to unravel. And before the end of the period, it's two each. The Giants just look, just look gases. Yeah, um, I see a few people saying about the the um, the plaudits that we gave to Jimbo for playing his thousandth game. Two uh, 0 up, that happens, and we sort of stop playing it. I, I don't buy it uh, at all. I, I just thought that you know, yes, it's, it's uh, you know, you sort of want your momentum carrying forward. Your two 0 up. I thought we, you know, we, we started off really well, but I thought it was Dundee that started off poorly, uh, even more so. Davey, I thought that. You know, you could see that they travelled over that more, and you could see that they're uh, they're just trying to find their legs. But you know, they're a difficult team to play against. Um, we we just we just weren't good enough. That's that's what it comes down to. Um, you know, I listened to Adam's interviews after the game. Uh, I know he wasn't happy with the performance. I know he wasn't. Um, and we, you know, we always always get an honest opinion from him. Um, he doesn't sugarcoat things as some people like to think. So. Um, but uh, he says it exactly the way it is. We weren't good enough. Um, we need to be better. You know, you're, you're playing. Uh, you know, you're playing Dundee. You're sitting. In, I think they were sitting in ninth place at the time. Um, you, they've already beat us uh, this season. They beat us a few weeks ago uh, over in Dundee. Um, and you know, we we need to be better in those games. If you're going to win championships and you're going to end up having banners hung in your arena, uh, this is the games that you need to be winning with the greatest respect. Um, you know, we always think we always think a lot of Pash. Uh, he always gives us his time when we ask him. Um, but we we need to be better. That's that's that simple. Uh, playing against Manchester, he beat us the week before last. Dundee had beat us uh, over the Christmas period now as well. Um, but as as Chris uh, Revel pointed out uh, on Twitter the other night, on our way to win the the championship in 2014, Dundee beat us at Christmas time. So hopefully, it's a good omen. And Joel, I suppose one of the things that has, has been highlighted and we talked about it slightly earlier in the show. You know, we've, we've more than outshot the stars two to one. You know, we're very heavily dependent on the, the Rutherford Murphy Riley line. DJs came up with a few goals lately. We're getting a few goals from the back end. But Simon talked about uh, Bonner there, Paddy Dwyer. You know, we need secondary scoring. Has, I think that's a problem or something that we're just waiting to click. I don't know if I would call it a problem right now. Um, but I think that it could become one if players like uh, Kyle Bond uh, and uh, you know Chris Higgins when he comes back in, if, if we don't start, you know, as you say, scoring across every line, it was the key to the run that we went on on the road. You know, any of our lines, including you know Jonathan Boxall, Lewis Hook, those guys could come up with a goal in clutch moments, and they did. Um, that has definitely cooled off. Uh, you know, guys can't be all out successful and and killer for an entire season. I understand that it happens, but we also cannot rest on that top line to provide all of our scoring chances. You know, all it takes is, God forbid, as I knock wood, you know, somebody to take a knock, somebody to have to sit out a few games, and it removes our our main threat. Um, In terms of the Dundee game, you know, Yes, you know, it's a fact. Your third game in three days, you're going to be tired. You're going to be gassed. But as Adam Keefe has said, and as you guys have already said, it's not an excuse. And if you want to be a championship team, especially in the Elite League in 2018, it's not like it used to be. You need to turn up and you need to turn it on every single night. So those are the games, unfortunately, those gritty little kind of exhausted games whenever, you know, in the NHL and and in other hockey leagues, you may be able to drop a night or, or, you know, mentally take a night off and still make playoffs. It doesn't work 
Cup, way over here, you need to treat that game the same way as a, a Saturday night grandstander against the Sheffield Steelers with a packed barn. Um, I think going 2-0 up early on was maybe a little bit of a curse, uh, especially if you've got tired legs. You know, you, you work up that lead and, and you see the Stars haven't quite come to the game just yet. And I don't know if you maybe take your foot off a little bit or if you're just not pressing as hard or mentally you can't engage in the same way. Um, but it sort of felt like that to me. Um, with that said, though, I mean, towards the end of that game, it was heart-wrenching to watch. We hit the we hit the iron twice within the last like minute and a half. Um, with Vesco pulled on, on the, I think we were on a power play to close the game, weren't we? Um, I think so anyway. Um, but we were we were absolutely peppering the Dundee Stars, but just could not find that little bit of puck luck or that little difference maker that, that would make something go in. But um, you can't you can't put the whole game down to that either. You know, we had the full 60 minutes to, to score. We had a 2-0 lead and, and unfortunately on the night we blew it. Simon, quick word before we move on for the, for the Dundee goalie. He's been pretty sensational against us in the games he's played this season. He's a good goalie, David. Um, you know, he, he's he's very uh, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but his his reactions are very, very you know. He, and the, the big thing about it is he you can hear him communicating with his players, you know. So he's, he's literally telling them to get out of the way. Can, I mean, even when we've got the headphones on, you can you can genuinely hear him shouting at the players to get out of the way and let them see the puck. So we, uh, you know, they they play well in front of him. You know, they've couple a couple of big bodies. You know, Sullivan's uh, doing a good job in there. Shalupka plays well. Um, you know, they, they they don't glory hunt for points and they're quite happy to sit back and, and try to do the dirty work and block of shots. Sullivan made a, an unbelievable block in the third period uh, to stop the puck getting through the net and there's a real chance of going in. Uh, Jules touched on, we hit the crossbar a couple of times, um, uh, hit the post late in the third as well. But, you know, the, the damage was done when we, you know, you're going 3-2 down. They're quite happy to set the trap up, sit back, uh, let us have the puck the whole way for up to halfway of the ice and uh, and then they just try and uh, block you coming into their zone. So it's it, as I say, it was a diff, it was a disappointing result, disappointing performance. Um, we looked hard. We genuinely did look hard. It doesn't get any easier from here on in. You know, you if you look at the next four weeks, two and two, three and three, two and two, three and three, and then that last three and three, it's now working out four and five because we've got the um, the Glasgow first leg of the Challenge Cup. Um, on the 29th. So, like, again, you can't feel sorry for yourselves. Adam will be telling them that in training this morning. Um, train tomorrow morning, train Friday, get ready for Saturday and Sunday against Sheffield, um, and let's get back on track again. And of course, like the other games, all the highlights this week from last week's games are available BelfastGiants.com and, and the link is there for the, our friends at Giants TV if those great highlights out, some brilliant cool commentaries this in the last week from, from Toy and and Mason, some guy from East Belfast, was joining in too. <laughs> and uh, it's time for a word from our sponsor. Yes, it is, Davey. Um, I, I don't know. Do you guys like beer? I, I like beer. I don't know if it's ever come up, but I like beer. No? Just me? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, boys. Listen, Paddy's the pro here. Well, listen, I don't, I don't care what you guys say. I like beer, and there's no beer better than Beer 52. Um, beer 52 the uk's number one beer subscription service if you're like me not davy and simon for some reason but if you're like me and the one and only darcy dangles the king of stout murphy 
If you enjoy a stout, they can bring you some of the, the best, diff- most different varieties with a selection of different beers every single month straight to your door. So go to beer52.com forward slash AVFTB and sign up for your first box, which we will get to you free of charge. That's not just beer, boys. That is free beer. So listen, thanks to Beer52 and to you for all of your support and helping us to continue what we do. It's that time again where our roving reporter heads down to SSE. I assume we're practicing that at the minute, Sam, with the games coming up this weekend. And uh, hopefully you've got a few guys to talk to here. Joined <laughs> with Mark Carside after practicing Thursday morning. Um, good Christmas. Ah, it was good. You know, got two V ones now, so it's all exciting for them. Over Christmas period, um, didn't all go to plan. Uh, four points from a six-point weekend. Three and three is always difficult, but I'm sure you're disappointed uh, with uh, not picking up those extra two points against Dundee. Yeah, I mean, it was sort of a, a difficult game. We just struggled to find ways to get good chances, especially in the second and the third. We really didn't do much to create uh, enough. And then, obviously, they got a goal at the end, sort of out of nothing. But uh, credit to Dundee, they were disciplined in the way they uh, performed and kept to their system. Big games this weekend. Sheffield coming into Belfast for the first time this year. Um, they've been on a bit of a run, but they lost again on uh, Tuesday night against Manchester. Um, how do you uh, approach those games and, and obviously trying to, to uh, get a win streak back together? Uh, obviously, Spain one of the big teams in the league, and all guys will be well motivated for this weekend. Um, and as will Sheffield be coming in here, so we can expect you know a fast hockey game, and guys will be getting geared up and ready for that. You're playing against uh, Rand Martinelli, who you spent a lot of time in the Blue Line with over the last two years as well. Um, does it give you any motivation just to you know make sure he's he's only six foot four? He's sure you could take him out. Oh, easy. <laughs> no, I mean uh, obviously yeah, we've played with him for the last two seasons and my friends off the ice and stuff. But uh, when, when I don't know, it's probably different for individuals. But when I go out there, I'm not really concentrating on uh, anybody I know out there as such. We're more just concentrating on what they can do and their sort of tendencies and things like that but you know we'll be gearing up for their whole team to get ready to play you know we know they're going to come in there and be fast and physical so it's going to be a, a good game so we're in a different colour than you they're just going to get taken out aye <laughs> Re- referees beware aye watch out <laughs> Adam um, four point weekend from the uh, triple header in Belfast at the weekend uh, wasn't didn't all go to plan. Um, good performance and a professional performance on on Friday night against MK. A comeback win against the Clan and a disappointing performance against Dundee. Is that probably a fair analysis? Uh, yeah, I mean it was it's a tricky weekend. You know, obviously Milton Keynes came in. Um, uh, Patrick Clean, their starting goaltender, a very good goaltender in this league, doesn't start, and um, I think their team played a little bit differently as a result of that. So it was. It was almost like a shinny hockey game on on the Friday, which sets us up for uh, to be behind pace on the Saturday because you know Glasgow's playing extremely well right now, and they came in and uh, we saw that from the start. Obviously, with them getting their early lead and um, some timely power play goals, got us back into that game and ultimately won us that game. And then Sunday we get off to a good start, but uh, a couple of mistakes and they end up in the back of our net, and we let. Dundee have some hope and get them back into the game and from there I think a little bit of fatigue kicked in but also just um, weren't able to get second chances on Shogren and uh, as a result of that we weren't able to get a third goal and uh, our you know at, I guess at the same time uh, our power play won us the game on 
on Saturday. Uh, they got a power play on goal on Sunday, Dundee, and we didn't, and that's the ball game. Special teams, uh, you keep on saying about those throughout the season. Moving into this weekend, um, the month of January is going to be a very busy month for you, starting with the doubleheader against the Sheffield Steelers this weekend. You've already played them in a doubleheader in the start of December. Um, they've picked up some form since they brought a new head coach in. Uh, what are you expecting uh, against the Steelers? Uh, I expect a high-paced game. They play at a high pace. They play uh, full of energy and uh, they forecheck extremely hard. Um, so we're going to have to be willing to to match that effort and match that uh, work ethic if we want to have uh, success. And I think uh, we need to start building here and getting consistency uh, throughout January because um, we certainly didn't have it in December. So. Uh, it starts on, on Saturday. You're halfway through your season. Um, sitting as it sits right now, you're sitting second in the league, one point behind the Cardiff Devils. Uh, the semi-final of the Challenge Cup and the finals, the Super Finals of the Continental Cup. Um, it's been a pretty successful season so far, but pushing on and going down the stretch, it doesn't get any easier. No, um, like what I said earlier there. You know, going into this, being uh, going into 2019, you know, essentially down a point, or if you look at the, the games in hand, three points on the Cardiff Devils, and being within touching distance of them in in first place, um, and being in the semifinals and in the finals of the Continental Cup. Uh, yeah, we're we you know a uh, successful 2018 for sure, and we want to make sure that. Uh, we emulate that in in 2019 and, and get back on a, a run because ultimately that's what uh, you need in this league. You need to be consistent, and to, when you're consistent, you, you end up getting on a little bit of a run here. Um, and like I said earlier, you know it starts uh, with the first game of the season. It's time for December's Player of the Month Award, sponsored by Phonacab. We put out for nominations from you on Twitter, and you came back with the following four who will be our shortlist for December's Player of the Month poll. So you have to choose from number 15, Darcy Murphy, number 22, Kevin Rain, number 25, Blair Riley, and number 83, Dustin. Johnner. Polls are now open and you will be able to vote until Saturday afternoon. We'll be handing out the award at the weekend in the games against the Sheffield Steelers. So get yourself to twitter.com forward slash AVFTV or to kingdomofthegiants.com or our Facebook page where you'll find details on how to cast your vote on one of those four nominees. And a big thanks to Phonacab for sponsoring the award. So player of the month, um, there's the Paddy's give you the, the, the four options. Dustin Johnner, Darcy Dangles, Blair Riley and Kevin Rain. Your thoughts, Sam? Darcy Murphy. 
without a shadow of doubt, he's been burning this month. Um, I've seen a couple of stats coming through. I know you keep me up to date every week with it for Belfast Jams TV, but um, in December he's been absolutely outstanding. Uh, we, we touched on it earlier in the show, you know, uh, Red has had a good month. Dustin Jonner coming, coming on strong towards the end of the month. He picked up a few goals at the weekend there, but uh, we Darcy's been brilliant. Um, was it 10 goals, did we? 10 I'll, goals. Come, I'll maybe get a go after Joel here and I throw a few stats in, unless, yeah, he, unless he does, of course. Uh, he, he's a stat king. Um, <laughs> but uh, for me, it's, it's Darcy all day long. And, and Joel? Yeah, look, there's a there's definitely a case for Darcy Murphy. He has absolutely been lighting it up. David, you shared some of your stats with us in the in the group chat this week, and it's out it's eye watering. Like his his offensive production, you know, it speaks to the fact that, that you, as you say, we're we're you know heavily leaning on that top line for for scoring prowess at the minute. Um, Dustin Johnner has given us a glimpse of of what he could have been with a full healthy season last year. Um, Kevin Rain, I think it's a testament to Kevin Rain's ability as a player that he's even being mentioned, you know, in, in a view from the bridge, player of the month, two, was it two months in a row? I don't think he made, did he make the final four last year? Or sorry, last month. Um, if he didn't, he had quite a few nominations. And, and there he is again, you know, I think he's having an absolutely phenomenal season. And, and to overturn the sort of other difficulties and other mumblings that there were whenever he re-signed, um, that's testament to the man. But for me, <laughs> there's only one player of the month, boys. The greatest of all time, Blair Riley. Look, this very past weekend, he completed a Hattie. One was shorthanded. One was shorthanded and unassisted as well. Unbelievable. Blair Riley deserves this trophy before the season's out. Um, you know, he's, he's obviously his, his best of the season was a couple of months back whenever he, I think he should have taken it over Besco, but he's just been ticking away there playing some of his best hockey in Belfast. He deserves to hold the trophy. And for me, I have to stick to my guns here. It's Blair Riley. David, what about you? Oh, no, Sam. You see, I, I threw a few stats out there earlier on. And just to come back on, you know, Joel talking about uh, Blair Riley with unassisted shorthanded. Darcy Dangles, as, as Joel calls him, also has a, an unassisted shorthanded goal this month. But apart from that, in the 10 games over December, he continued what started a streak. All 10 games, Darcy scored in. He scored 11 goals, two power play goals, a shorty. Five assists, three game-winning goals, plus minus a nine this over the month. He's just uh, he's just had such a such a good month. The other guys, all honourable mentions. It says something about us. The month we've had that Tyler Beskarawani isn't even mentioned in the voting for some crazy reason. He's still up about ninety-two percent save percentage. He's kept us in games. He's played three and three nights. You know he must be exhausted. It's been a really hard month. This month he's got even more games. Well, more than ten games this month. So. Difficult month, but for me, it's got to be Darcy Murphy picking up the, the, the trophy. I'm not sure. I think Darcy's won it before. He has. Um, I'm not 100%. He has. So, yeah, he um, last year. You know, he'll maybe have his, his name inked on it for a second time. But, you know, you get your votes in. The, the vote will be up from tomorrow morning, this morning, depending when you're listening to this, yesterday, if you're listening on Friday. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you get your vote in, and we'll get that trophy handed out hopefully this weekend. Simon will get down to the engravers, as he always does. And thank you to our friends at Phonacab for sponsoring the most prestigious trophy in all of the Elite League. And, uh, look, it's time to take a little break here from the normal um, run-of-the-mill show. We've got a very special guest about to join us. We're joined now on the fan agenda, although it'll be the Joel and Simon and Davey agenda, as we didn't ask for any questions, um, by all-time leading Belfast Giants scorer, Colin Shades. And Shades, welcome back to the View from the Bridge. Hi, guys. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me on. 
sponsor, of course, TPF sponsor of the show, Colin Shields. But um, Shields, so you've been back on the on the practice ice now for for a few days. How's things going? How's the injury getting along? Yeah, it's been good to get back on the ice. Obviously, with the team and uh, you know, with the recovery the last you know four or five weeks, there's not been a lot of practices because there's been so many games, and uh, it's been good this week to get a couple of practices on board and uh, hoping to be back on the ice real real soon. <laughs> Uh, Jared, do you want to give us a? Do you want to give the uh, view from the bridge exclusive? For how, just how soon do you think that'll be? Um, well, all things will, and hopefully, you know, as long as no problems in the next couple of days, I should be ninety nine percent sure we'll be back in the in the lineup this weekend against Sheffield on Saturday. Hopefully, and how how frustrating has it been? You know, it's been probably one of the worst, longest layoffs you've had since probably you've been a Belfast Jan. Yeah, it's my longest layoff, I think, ever. I mean, I've never missed two or three months consecutively in my whole career, pro or junior or college, to that matter. Um, so I think it was frustrating. It was one of those things where uh, things that, you know, for myself was maybe like touch and go for a while. You didn't really know how it was going to recover, whether, you know, possibly at times, whether you're going to be able to come back at all. So I think, uh, you know, it's kind of at the point now where, Envisions maybe not a hundred percent on that eye or, or the control of it, but it's the point where I can I can go out there and not be worried about it and feel comfortable to get back in action and try and help the team as much as possible. And something I know you and me have spoke about in the past, and um, I I bang on with these guys all the time about the full face mask. Still something that you, you never give any consideration to. No, I mean I think the injury that I, that I've had was obviously a freak injury and. There's no long-term damage to the eye or, or nothing that, you know, no damage to the retina or anything like that. So I don't feel worried about that. Or obviously if there was some damage that was going to be long-term, I think then you'd have to obviously look at possibly wearing a full face mask because, you know, of course the issue is if you, you got damaged to the other eye, then, you know, you'd be in trouble. But, um, you know, they said there's no long-term damage and the muscles that are maybe still recovering a little bit will recover to 100%. Um, you know, now or, or as soon as possible, and and uh, you know that's a positive for that for that matter. Jeds, watching hockey, um, you've already touched on there that you've been out for so long; it's your longest of your career. Um, does it get any easier sitting watching them? No, I probably guess it probably gets worse. I mean, I think I've seen it from every vantage point. I've seen it from, you know, the family suite. I've seen it, you know, sitting next to you in the commentary booth. I've been on behind the bench. I've been watching other teams' webcasts. So uh, it's been a long few months, and I think I'm, you know, excited to get back, excited to get back on the ice with my teammates where sort of I belong, and hopefully, uh, as I can say, hopefully try and continue to help the guys to, you know, any way I possibly can and, and uh, keep on winning ways. Uh, where we're sitting right now, um, it's not a bad spot to come back into, is it? You know, obviously, you know, when we went out, we are playing well, Um you know, the boys have kept it going. Um, you must be looking forward to getting back in the lineup. Yeah, it was a pretty phenomenal road trip there. I mean, I think it was 18, correct me if I'm wrong, but like 18 out of 19 games in December or November, December on the road. And, uh, you, you know, the record the guys put together there was pretty, pretty unreal. So, I mean, uh, you know, a couple of speed bumps, you know, last month or so, but that, that happens. And it's a long season, a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, three or four games in a week here. And, uh, you know, there's going to be losses throughout the season, but you just try to got to uh, battle as much as you can and pick up points when you can, and then not uh, leak too many when you when you're not playing well. 
we've got a bit of a personal milestone coming. I know that you're not a big man for the stats and stuff, but this this week and hopefully, as you say, ninety nine percent certain that you're you're going to go on Saturday against a, a former club, unfortunately, in the Sheffield Steelers. Um, Game 585 on charter territory for the Belfast Giants. Only Graham Walton sits uh, alongside you on 584. Uh, apart from anything, it must be something you're incredibly proud of, Dave, for the longevity alone. No, I mean, uh, as I said, I've told this story many times. I think when I first came to the Giants, I never envisioned being here as long as I as I have. And I'm very fortunate for the opportunity to, you know, the previous ownership the current ownership have given me to to stay here and create a home here and um you know obviously claire and i live here now and, and have a business as well but you know it all started with hockey and still continues with hockey and i'm very very lucky to have played as long as I, ha- I have and you know no matter how long i continue to play for it's uh you know to share the, you know, to share that milestone with graham right now as a true northern Ireland legend and a uh, former teammate of mine i mean i can't speak highly enough of of him and you know the relationship I've had with him over the last 12 13 years you know even going back before that playing uh you know when I was a kid growing up in, in Glasgow and Paisley coming over here and playing games at the ice bowl and play against Mark and Motrain Morrison and, and and obviously Wally and the other guys uh so known those guys for a long time it's definitely an honor to be mentioned in the same in the same breath as them and uh you know hopefully I can you know continue on you know the legacy and things that they've brought to the team and, and to the organization over the last, uh, you know, X amount of years. Sheds, I want to pick up just a little bit on, you know, the, the what you've been doing with your time while injured. Um, you, you mentioned there you, you spent some time sort of behind the bench. You've, you've watched the game probably from every seat in the arena. You've been up there uh, giving it the Don Cherry angle with Sizz. Um, what, what I want to ask you about is, is coaching. Um, you know, you're, you're obviously, as you've said, you're, you're well settled here now. You know, Belfast and Northern Ireland, are, they are your home and, and, and they're your wife's home as well. Um, you know, uh, whenever this is all over, uh, way, way down the road in many years, and you do, <laughs> <laughs> decide to hang them up um, obviously you're, you're one of the busiest guys I know with the gym and, and everything else that's going on but you're such a, a resource to have based in Belfast is coaching based on your experiences over the past few weeks something that you would think about in terms of staying connected with the Giants and the game after your playing career is done oh, I mean I'd love to stay involved with the team no matter what capacity it would be um, I don't think I I could probably say right now I'd never want to be a head coach I mean um, you know the, the stress and and uh, you know the scrutiny those guys are under, especially Kiefer. You think he doesn't, you know, he gets fired up on the bench. But I mean, the stress and uh, you know he's under, and uh, you know it, it all comes back to him and and the players have a massive responsibility. But so does he. And um, I don't think that's really for me. I don't think it's in my nature. I think I've you know I've been a captain here and and a leader, and I still look at myself as a leader in the locker room. But I don't ever envision myself wanting to be a head coach. I think. Uh, you know, my skill set is maybe slightly different from that. Maybe working with players uh, on a one-to-one basis or as an assistant coach as a, as a specialty uh, sort of guy working in, in more of the skill side of the game or things like that. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, a- any capacity I could still be involved in the game is fantastic. I mean, it's given me so much my whole life for the last 30 years uh, and beyond. And then the Giants have given me so much too. So, I mean, anything I could sort of get back there and still be involved in, and even on the fan side of things. I mean, there's such a great fan base. And, uh, you know, even the last few weeks, we've done a, a few different fan signings and interaction things, uh, handing out the Christmas cards and then on signings on the bridge. And, uh, yeah. you know, it, it maybe seems a bit monotonous, everyone asking about your eye, but, but the, the, 
you know, the way that people have, have treated me and the respect and uh, the concern as well is just, it's overwhelming and I just can't thank enough for the people. And uh, as I said, hopefully maybe one day I can still hopefully be, still be involved in the organization. I think that's great news for anybody listening. And I could tell even from, from my uh, side of things, even on the night the injury happened, you could, you could sense the real genuine concern in, in the building. You know, it's, it's one of those things. I think you're, you're, uh, you've been part of the furniture around here that long. People all, all kind of almost have a personal relationship with you or feel like they know you or whatever else. So, um, it's, it's nothing but good news to see you back on, on the edge of coming back. Now, listen, I, uh, I don't let you come on to a view from the bridge without dishing out a few stories. And uh, seeing as I'm on, we we got yeah. Don't worry, don't worry. We got sure we got I a got couple some. of crackers from you last time. Um, we we heard about you going off to to play juniors and and being boarded and uh, replacing the guy that stole the sausage, which is one of my <laughs> yeah. all time favorite a view from the bridge stories. But to keep with the with the theme of coaching, you know your uh, your career goes back uh, kind of I, I guess to the the mid 90s whenever you were a kid playing in paisley um you're bound to have had your fair share of old school ridiculous complete caricature coaches (laughs) you don't have to name any names here but do you have any memories of coaches that shaped you or that you'll never forget or that you still have nightmares about from from throughout your career yeah i mean i've got apart apart from your dad I was just gonna say my dad. My dad was probably my number one coach growing up. So it depends how uh, I had many I had many a car rides back from practices and games where uh, he wouldn't talk to me because of whatever I did on the ice or not done on the ice. But um, I got, you can I, you can pump his tires, but you can't chirp him. <laughs> yeah. He's coming over this weekend to finish a few things in my house, so I can't chirp him too bad. Um, but the uh, I'd probably say one of the ones that um, well, I had two two coaches grown up that sort of stand out in my mind um one would be a junior coach tim alexander and he actually passed away from cancer maybe a few years ago um mm-hmm. but he was a coach at cleveland barons and i went down there in 1998 um got recruited down there through a long hockey camp i was going to in ontario assistant coach long story short he was a coach down there said hey come on down and play here um and tim was great to me it was the owner of the team owned the, the biggest bus company in the whole of uh, like a five or six state area down there and uh tim was tim was the coach there and, and we had our own rank so he got to go on the ice anytime he wanted and uh you know he could go on for an hour before practice you want to shoot pucks and and tim was great to me he treated me uh you know like gold and gave me as much ice time as well, not as I wanted, but you know, he felt you were valued. But, but man, he had some crazy stories. I mean, I think you hear about those stories where, um, you know, I think going back to my first year, I played two years there. My first year, maybe five or six games in the season, I was going to high school, and it was just outside of Cleveland, Ohio. And so, well, my wife doesn't listen to this anyway, but um, I know <laughs> all these girls from uh, the high school. I was like, oh, yeah, come see ice hockey. I play ice hockey, blah, blah. And ice hockey wasn't a massive, massive thing uh, back there. So, you know, it was maybe like a small arena set, maybe four or 500 people. So we played, I can't remember the team we played, but we got absolutely slaughtered. So before the game, <laughs> before the game, I said to the girls, oh, hang around after. We'll meet up go for probably ice cream or whatever it is back then but um <laughs> so sure enough you know after the games of a small rank you kind of see everyone hanging around we go in the locker room timmy comes in and he's like that's it he goes you better tell whoever's waiting for you to go home he goes because we're going back on the ice boys so we're like what and he's like you got 20 minutes he goes Change your practice, get your practice jerseys on, and tell your parents to go home, boys. We're going back on. <laughs> and he made us go back on the ice. 
So I had to go out and tell these <laughs> ladies, like, sorry, I'll see you at school on Monday, because we had to go back on the ice. <laughs> and he skated us for like an hour straight. Sure enough, giving you giving you that old Herb Brooks treatment, send them again. Oh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it gets even worse. So same year, later in the year, uh, my dad was over from, from Scotland. He So we got on a road trip to like Chicago or something, like a six-hour bus ride. Um, so as I said, the owner of the team owned the rink. So we go to Chicago, six hour bus ride. So we, <laughs> so we get spanked or whatever. The first year we were there, we weren't very good. So we get back on the bus. My dad's sitting in the front. I was like, Oh yeah, it's gonna be a long bus ride. So I'll get back down. And this is when they had to set the one TV at the front. So my dad, so he was just sitting in the front. We grabbed something to eat and he's, so I was go to the back where I was like, Oh, I'll see you back later. So my dad sits down get ready for the movie to start. Tim turns around. He's like, no movies, boys. We're watching the game back. So he fires the game up on the TV. And like every time, every time like a bad play would come up, he'd just stand up and like look at the back of the bus and just stare guys down and like shake his head and then sit back down. And every time like, like, like a dozen times during the bus ride. So we get back to the rink. It's probably like three or four in the morning. So we pull up and he stands up in the front and he's like, don't hang him up, boys put him on <laughs> so we get no, off the bus. no oh, way yeah, like three four in the morning swear to god so he's got the keys goes in turns the lights on so i look at my dad and my dad obviously could drive over there and i had my car my dad's like i'll see you back at the apartment son <laughs> oh you're kidding me <laughs> so back in the rink three in the morning four in the morning whatever throw the gear on back on the ice at like three four in the morning for a solid hour and he just like gave it to us the whole time like and i'm talking not like like literally just up and back, up and back, up and back. So, but I mean, we had so many stories and stuff like that from back in the day. I mean, things obviously changed. Like you get arrested if you did something like that now. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Timmy was Timmy was such a great guy, and uh, you know, apart from that, obviously. But, but he really like you know didn't take no shit and just sort of put you in your place when you needed to. And and hard nosed guy, and he definitely went to battle for him. And um, it was a shame to hear about his passing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's that I've done another Herb Brooks reference. He's not your friend. He's your coach, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. But, uh, the, the, last, the last point on that, you, you, it's the one end that hasn't been tied up. Did you ever take, did teenage Colin Shields ever take the girls for ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> this is a family podcast. I can't really <laughs> talk about that. And I here. think we'll wrap it up right there. <laughs> David, David McGimsey. Yeah, thank you. Look, it's, it's brilliant to hear all these old stories. And I'm sure whenever the, the boots are finally, and as Joel says, in years to come, hung up for good. But I'm sure there's a book in you, at least, or yeah. a blog, at least. <laughs> or maybe a podcast or two. You and, never uh, know. Maybe have a podcast to, to discuss yeah, some of these stories. And, uh, but we'll look, well, thank you for your time tonight. We're excited to have you back on the ice. You've been missed. And, and of course, we're we're really excited for you for your for the big milestone of the weekend. Well, thank you for all the all the support financially with the, the sponsorship and, of course, your time on, on The View from the Bridge. And we look forward to seeing you back in a giant shirt at the weekend. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate your time and uh, see you on Saturday. Oh, baby, baby. Oh, baby, baby. Oh, baby, baby. How was I so- Thanks very much to Colin Shields as always for his time there. And we move on around the lake. First up, as it is every week, Paddy, pay the jingle.
Not nothing from Dops except what what's been going around on social media this week, guys. Three Kenny Ensigns. We've already covered the Vandy one off. There's the Evan Mosey hit in the Coventry Blaze game, and there's the Moffat hit in the uh, Sheffield game. Anybody? Any comments on them? Um, I didn't see the Evan Mosey one, uh, but I've seen the the Moffat hit. I cannot believe it's only two minutes. I honestly cannot believe that. Um, he's taken that guy uh, Deluca right out by the roots. You know he's. 10 feet from the boards, he's got him a shove right into the, the wall. Um, he needed, he genuinely needed to get slapped completely um, by more than one person. Um, I, I thought that was terrible, but I, I can't comment on the other one. Yeah, I just, uh, there, you know, I guess you look at it and, and you ask, you know, did he lose control? Did he, did he, as you, as you mentioned earlier uh, today, David, did he, did he blow an edge or anything? But he is well in control of his wheels there. He, he sort of railroads him straight into the boards and, uh, and, and he falls down pretty early. You know, he, uh, that, that could be a head, neck, shoulder, uh, back injury that in, in the wrong, uh, the wrong circumstances could be a career ender. It's a, it's an absolute shocker. It's, uh, it's probably the worst one I've seen out of, uh, you know, Vandermeer, Mosey, I think that one's probably the one that looks most brutal to me and, and um, you know, you, you have to I guess look at the the outcome, I don't think there was any kind of major injury but the potential for injury is absolutely sky high there, it's unbelievable I think for me the Mosey one I, I'm not sure it, 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 I'm not sure how to pronounce the, game, the guy's name from Coventry but um, he, he, he kind of turns numbers into Mosey as Mosey sort of committed you know, Mosey's going in the forecheck, and I think it's something that's become more and more prevalent in the game at every level where players are turning into hits at the minute. You know, I don't know whether it's a, a change in the way players are, are learning the game or whatever, but there's much more hitting through the numbers now than there ever was. And I don't know if that's because the, the tough guys are going out of the game, so there's not as much repercussions for it. You just end up sitting for a couple of games, you don't get a dig in the bake anymore. I just don't know. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting chat for another that, that one. In the in the Winter Classic, you know, Deluca's got a hat trick. <laughs> has got a hat trick against um, Manchester at that stage. And that's a naughty looking hit. He's he's kind of drilled him from the from the blue goal line, and uh, it's, I, it's worse than the Mosey one. Like he's he's lined up behind him for far longer than than Mosey as he comes boards. I think oh well, yeah, Mosey's Mosey's tight to the boards when he hits him. It's not so much of a boarding, you know. He, he's not yeah. in the boards, but look. Thankfully, nobody seems to have come away with any any serious injuries from them, and I'm I'm sure Michael Hicks and his team will be I'll be looking at them whether they're taking retrospective action or not. They'll be looking at them to make sure referees are learning from these from these. You know, Dops are able to put out statements saying that uh, you know dangerous players are dying. What's well, because dangerous players aren't getting called clearly. So that's something I'm sure that they're the, the footage is out there now. It's out there for everybody to see, and and it's things like that that the league need to act on to. To make sure that the, the tops is a is a coherent sort of thing, but we move on and and sorry, talking about sorry, sorry, David, just you just sent me that video for Mosey. I don't think it's a penalty. Your man does. I think it's Hashe who turns in. Hashe. Hashe. the same guy that turned into Ferdinand. Um, remember he, he ended up banging his head off the yeah, yeah. The ice. Same guy. It's more or less the same move. He turns into the Ferdinand that stage. So um, I, I don't even think that's a penalty. So I kind thought, of what I'm, kind of what I'm saying there, Simon. Yeah, you know, that, right? that that guy obviously has a little technique. You know, people people criticised um, Daryl Lloyd a number of years ago. Seth Bennett used to talk to me about it, and, and Daryl Lloyd was getting called for slew footing, or and you know, Seth would say that's that's a technique issue with him. He, that's the way he hits. It's a, it's a poor technique the way he hits. I think this guy has a poor technique that whenever a check's up, he's not he's not willing to take a hit. Yeah, he's turning his body away, and, and, he, and he's turning his body away. Whether, whether I was always, I was always taught, you somebody's coming in to hit you, and you get the. 
So if you get to the wall and he bounces, he comes in to hit you, he's the one who's going to end up on his ass. If yeah. you're a foot out from the boards, you're the one who's going to get hurt. If you get tight to the wall, you'll not get hurt. Yeah, so there's a responsibility on the guy that's hitting you, but there's also a responsibility on the guy that's getting hit. This has always you have to been... protect yourself. Yeah. So Absolutely. anyway, we, we talk about changes and dops and personnel changes and in Nottingham this week, just two minutes before they, they went to ice, they, they tweeted out that they've gassed um, the Verdon, Simon. Um, something you saw coming, two wins from 10 games before their home win over Coventry the weekend. Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised about the sign in the first place. Um, he didn't really do much last year for... Uh, and then, uh, and again, I know they were clutching straws. Nottingham have had a tough time of late, which is really, really sad to see. Um, but... Uh, you know, I, I was just surprised. I know he was he drafted by the Red Wings, didn't he? Was um, I think he was drafted by the Red Wings about ten or twelve years ago. But he certainly doesn't look like an NHL draft pick at the minute. And there was a few interesting results. Um, none we've, we've already talked about the game: the Manchester Storm beating the Sheffield Steelers in the Storm Shelter there the other night, and in, in the. Uh, it was yesterday, New Year's Day, in the, in the Winter Classic, the EIHL Winter Classic, exact <laughs> NHL logoed Winter Classic. And um, and despite the Belfast Giants being on this superb run, the, the, the Cardiff Devils still lead the way despite two very close games. They got Guilford, Joel. Yeah, it's uh, this is what we're talking about, though. You know, you need to make those hard yards if you're if you're the Belfast Giants. If you're coming into your third game in three days and it's the Dundee Stars and you're hurting and you're tired, those are the games that you're going to have to take in order to take the Devils. There's absolutely no question that the the Cardiff Devils have been the dominant force in the Elite League for the past few years. They're they're not gonna. I, I think I, I think sport is cyclical. I think we've talked about this before. You know, uh, a generation of a team will will kind of go around the clock and they'll be dominant in their time. Um, um, but I think the Cardiff Devils are are teetering uh, on the edge of the current sort of crop. Um, I think uh, you know they've, they've lost one or two big names. They're they're not as invincible as they used to be, but they are still a deep quality team with a lot of money behind them, with uh, a, a dedicated fan base, great facilities. Um, and if the Giants don't find ways to, to to win those you know greasy games, to win those nights when it's a a Wednesday night in in Guildford or wherever, um, those two points matter just as much as we said earlier as, as the big grandstand game so it's going to have to be that commitment every single night in order to catch a very very good devil side. And just some other news and it's not really around the league because it, it involves ourselves, the Belfast Giants dates for the Challenge Cup semi-finals against the I was going to call them the Brayhead, the Renfrew, the Glasgow clan, <laughs> 29th of January away in the shopping centre and hopefully a Valentine's Day massacre not for us, but the 14th of February home to the, the clan, that's uh, it's a nice semi-final setup, a couple of weeks apart. Says. Yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely, David. It's uh, you know, it, it's a with the games coming thick and fast. You know, we, we talked about earlier about the the next four weeks of games: two, three, two, three, uh, and that last three is now four and five. So we're home to five, home to five, away to Milton Keynes, day off, away to Glasgow. You know, that's that's a lot of hockey and a lot of. Um, in such a short space of time. So, you know, we need the bodies to be ready to go. We need to, obviously, Chris Higgins' addition is going to come in. Um, you know, hopefully we'll have uh, Bishop back this weekend after being ill uh, last week and, and obviously Sheds as well. So all that will help. But, uh, you know, the guys need to get going. We need a bit of uh, secondary scoring here because at the minute, uh, our top line of, of Riley, Rudy and uh, Darcy Murphy's carrying the load and... and uh, Hopefully they can continue to do so, but they need help. 
maybe time to move on, gents, into the fan agenda. We we put out to Twitter, to Facebook today for comments, takes, questions for for us on the show tonight. Um, just about anything Belfast Giants hockey related, and just anything in general. Um, this time last show we had a vicious debate over Brussels sprouts. Um, I maybe open it with something that that sort of moves or, or follows on from from what we just talked about, Davey. Um, I got a a, a DM from Stephen Smith uh, earlier today, just on that kind of uh, Cardiff, you know, doing their thing again, and the Giants nipping away at their heels. Um, um, he says, all I wish to add is that, yes, it hurts to lose. It angers me to see Cardiff nipping in with a slight advantage. But take a step back. We haven't had a bad old run, have we? I can see the tide slowly tur- starting to turn. Yes, there will be disappointing weekends, but there will be electric weekends. Cardiff will be knocked clean off that perch. All tabletoppers in all sports are. We have the tools here to dismantle them. I believe in this team, and it will get back to its best. Giants fans have really stepped up lately, and it's a pleasure to be part of that atmosphere that happens in certain situations that you cannot plan. So it's nice to hear that sort of uh, positive take on it as well. You know, there there is belief. We've talked about how people smell blood this season. There There is a belief that this team has something special. Um, so not so much a question. It's just a kind of positive input from, from Stevie. He's a, he's a good lad. Um, some questions, boys. Uh, let me see. Uh, from Violet Pickles on Twitter, fans calling out referees. Per refereeing or per knowledge of the sport from fans, David Boy? Um, I think people are always entitled to an opinion as long as they keep it um, logical, make, don't swear, you know, and, and have a point to make. Um, it's there to be critiqued. You know, the referees are, are, aren't beyond criticism, aren't beyond redemption either. You know, they're part of the furniture. I stick up for them an awful lot. Yes, they make mistakes. Yes, we knew when we went to a four-man system that we would be training younger guys and, and guys who have been on the line to come up and referee. And some of the things that you see that annoy you is a referee maybe 10 feet away from a play and, and a referee 150 feet away calling the penalty and the kind of refs look at each other going, mm, what's going on here? And just, I, I think at the weekend there as well, there was some really poor um, calls on offsides, which, you know, I was talking to somebody on Twitter about it. Ostensibly you're standing across a blue line and you, all your job is to say whether the black dot comes across either side of it. <laughs> and, you know, that's that's uh, being a bit facetious and it's making oversimplifying it perhaps. But at the same time, you've got to be able to get them right. It's not a difficult job. It's a pressure job, I guess. And it, it happens at very high speed. And, and I've seen a very good point by somebody. If you set up in the back row and you're always criticizing, go down and watch a game from the front row and see how much different the game is from ice level, how fast it is, how physical it is, and how it's a difficult job that they've got. So, yes, I believe that we'll have to support our referees. I believe that the referees need financially supported much, much better. It needs to go, you know, you're asking um, EIHL level referees, some of them slightly better than EIHL level that go across to Europe and the refereeing leagues. But in the main, the level that the referees are at suit the league, but the players that are coming in, some of them are NHL quality, AHL quality, high ECHL quality. The players are better than the officiating, so it has to improve. You see the guys when they come in around NCAA weekends, and you can see that the officiating's better, but they're full time. They're they're you know good they're nutrition. Not, they're not they're not the guys that come for NCAA are full time. Would their training and all not be a lot better, Sam? Would they not oh, be no, better? Absolutely, hundred percent. Yes. Would they not be better remunerated? Would they be, you know, all things being equal? Would they not just have a, a more time invested in the game on a weekly basis? You tell me, these guys are working nine to five and just going down the rink at the weekend. 
Well, I mean, I, I definitely know that they've got jobs, 100%. Um, I mean, I was speaking, that I told you before, but uh, uh, the, the same name, but not the same That's person. Yeah. Um, he's got a full-time job. You know, he's, he comes over here and he's busting to get back for the next one. But, uh, you know, he was saying that the boys have full-time jobs. Uh, there's some guys that do the NCAA, they do other leagues around um, the Boston area and then and the northeast um, of America area. So, but they're they're not full time. But you know, for me, the guys that come over from the NCAA officials certainly could uh, teach our officials something. Um, and why you know why we don't use them uh, while they're here is is beyond me. Uh, you know the standard of hockey that they're that they're coach sorry that they're officiating in the NCAA is higher than what it is in the EIHL without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, we've seen that in four years in a row uh, while the teams have been over here. But for me, they, they, they should be using. And my understanding is they have offered. They have offered um, to do a coaching clinic for the for the officials, and it hasn't been taken up. So, you know, I don't understand why you wouldn't want your officials being coached by um, a better standard of hockey uh, officials. I don't get it. Um, is it a matter of cost? Possibly, uh, but how much is it going to cost if you book it? You know, I, you know, we know that it's going to be Thanksgiving weekend this year. Uh, the fixtures haven't been drawn up yet for the Belfast Giants or the Elite League. Why don't you just take a day off, get them over here on the Thursday, or the Friday, get them all trained while the officials are here, um, do a coaching clinic for for the IHL referees and, and linesmen, and then get them back to officiate that weekend. I don't get it. Sissy, I'm going to stick with you on this one. I uh, got a good question earlier from Tony Hill on Facebook, um, and I'm, I'm guessing I'm drawing on your day there and, and some of the experiences you've had. He says, going three down last weekend against the clan and Kiefer taking a timeout, we could see he was furious and very animated. What sort of things do coaches say in those situations, and what do you think? What do you guys think he said to the players to spark the team to victory? And your and your experience, whenever your back's against the wall like that, what does the coach do to pump the boys? Um, I said at the start of the show, I wasn't going to say anything. So um, <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to start. The it, it's just a matter of trying to get their guys going. You know, some some guys need a, a sh- an arm around the shoulder. Some guys need a kick in the ass um, to get them going. And you know, you've seen how animated Adam was. He wasn't being animated just to you know to tell people what he's going to have for breakfast the next morning. He's getting this point across. It was came across very very well. Um, I, I think he's. Adam always talks about, you know, he's in, he's still learning and he's still, you know, ultimately as a coach, he's still very, very young. Um, so, you know, it, it could be colourful language. It could be straight to the point, get, you know, get back to the way you, you've normally been playing. For the first 35 minutes of that game um, on Saturday, uh, you know, actually I think it was, was it 28 minutes they scored their goal? Yeah, pretty much half hour. So, you know, so basically halfway through the game, they were better in every aspect, every aspect of the game. So, you know, we, we weren't playing our game. We, we, we just, you know, the message that he's coming across for that I uh, took from it was get back to basics, get back to doing what you do best, get the puck in deep. You know, if you have to, you know, get use your speed to get around these guys. I mean, they've got Fitzgerald there. Fitzgerald, the, the guy can't move properly. You know, you just get at him, just go at him. Um, and every time, when, I mean, there was one stage of that game, if you listen to the commentary, uh, coming up to the end of the third period, uh, Josh Roach went coast to coast. Fitzgerald tried to stand him up at the blue line, and he made an absolute idiot out of him. He, I genuinely thought, and I did say at the time, I thought it was a pile on. 
because he just couldn't get near him. So, Adam, he did the right thing. The message that he got across on that um, that uh, timeout itself was certainly put across the right way because the boys reacted. I, I couldn't agree more. Davey, I, I guess this one's designed for you. Mam Belfast dad joke. Uh, from Wayne's Pugmigo17 on Twitter. With Higgy donning the tail and lacing up his boots again, do you think we're going to see the Belfast dad joke we know and love back on the ice? Or is retirement going to appear to have taken its toll on him? What do you reckon? Um, proof of the pudding will be in the eating. I would imagine Higgy, you know, we all know Higgy likes to take care of himself. He's been skating. You know, there'll be ring rust, no doubt about it. You know, you have to be able to take a hit again. You've got to take that pain, you know, that, the doms of, of uh, you know, being a pro athlete again. You know, there's a difference between skating for, for recreation and for leisure and for keep fit as opposed to going straight in the game. So I'd imagine that, you know, Higgy will take a few games to, to get going, but he'll not have lost his hands. He'll not have lost uh, his wheels. So I would expect, I expect big things from Higgy. You know, he's a point of game plus player at this level. I don't expect that they've changed. Says, would you agree? Yep. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, one here from uh, Stephen McBlain. This is an interesting one. Uh, do you think us playing three games on weekends is not helping our quest for the league? Every time we seem to lose on the Sunday. Um, and oh, oh yeah also let, let's cover that first and then he has a wee extra point that he adds in um, the three and threes I guess there's a wider conversation here um, about obviously being an arena team about the arena business being very successful and, and the, the the sort of scheduling that we've had the past few years and, and I guess the, the the talk of additional ice may factor in that conversation what do you guys think would we be in a better spot if we weren't playing those congested weekends I don't know I don't know whether playing Friday Saturday Sunday is any worse than playing Friday, Saturday, you know, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, you know, you, you still yeah. have to squeeze the same amount of games in the same amount of weeks. So, you know, commercially, you don't want, you know, do you get a bigger crowd on a Sunday afternoon at four o'clock for a matinee than you do for a Tuesday night game? I, I don't know. You know, the numbers are dumb. But we also have to respect other teams and that we don't want to play on Sundays that much. So, you know, as few and far between Sundays as we can. So, we, we, you know, those three and threes are going to come up. I think it's six three and threes this season. It's just a, it's just the nature of the beast with the num- extra teams coming in the league and us being the Continental Cup this season. We obviously have at least two weekends of games to fit in somewhere else. So you've, you've got two weekends where you've got to put them in the, in the, you know, in the third slot. So I think overall it would have been four or three, sorry, weekends where you'd have had three and three. All the other teams are doing it. You know, the Devils go up to... The Devils and the Panthers for definite go up to Scotland for three and threes over the season. The Scottish, do, yeah. team, the Scottish teams will want to go down south for three and threes, whether it be Guildford, Milton Keynes, Cardiff or whatever, you know. So it's the same for everybody. Everybody's on a ice at the end of the day and you've all got to play roughly 80 games in the season. How you get them into your 30 weeks? Says, do you reckon hockey players are designed for that kind of grind, for those kinds of repetitive games and lots of games in a week? It's just part of the game? That's that is. You've got to play the game, and but it's you know it's it's not ideal. Um, you know this weekend past there were sixteen thousand people. It's a series to watch um, three games, and uh, you know it, it's it's not ideal. We have picked up a six point weekend this year. Um, you know it's it's uh, you know it, it's fatigue in the body. It's it's you know the the, the Saturday night game against on uh, Glasgow. Sorry. It would have took a lot of energy, uh, required, you know, a lot of minutes being played by guys who, 
Um, you know, you would play a lot of minutes on Sunday as well. So yeah. like it, it does take its toll. Um if I had my way, uh, would you be playing so many three and threes? No, Davies already touched on it. Uh, it's about you know you, because we're being so successful because you know you won championship last year that you've, you've had to put in an extra six games for the Continental Cup. But those are you know those Continental Cups are always played three and three. So that automatically when you get into that finals of the Continental Cup, you end up doing that. You know you get six games, so uh, that's just the way they play them. So it's. And when you go to the World Championships at the end of the year, you know, those guys are going to play eight games in, I think it's 11 days. So, you know, and that's on top of what they've already played this year. Again, it, it, the, the the way this league's set up and not playing until September, second week of September, um, and then playing until the first week in April, you know, it's, I understand why. I understand why guys or teams don't want to pay the wages, but it's, even if you extend that by two weekends, it makes it so much easier for players and, and not so hard on their bodies. But that's not ideal. I guess uh, we, we got a lot of really, really good questions um, for for future uh, episodes of the show. Um, so listen, thanks for everybody that, that communicated and got in touch and, and gave us their, their thoughts, opinions and questions. And, and I'm sorry if we didn't get to your question, but we can only talk for so long, believe it or not. Um, just one last thing that Stephen McLean actually added to the end of his question. Um, can you give a mention to Dean Smitty-Smith to get well soon? Um, absolutely shocking what happened to him. I guess you guys have seen on Twitter. Um, he was coming back from, a, I think, a party New Year's Eve or whatever, and, and, he, and he got jumped and then seems to be pretty beat up. So um, all the boys, I guess, uh, send our, our thoughts to Smitty and I hope he recovers soon. Absolutely, can't I? Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Absolutely, three low-life scumbags. And hopefully I, hopefully, karma gets them. I, I had it in the our business notes. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I sent him a, uh, a tweet last night or the night before. Um, you know what? I hope they get their b****s not then. Yeah, amen to that. Couldn't agree more. And, Davey, that is the fan agenda. Well, that leads us on very nicely to this weekend. And we've got a little bit of previewing to do. Not very much in the Sheffield game. This is the part of the show I detest the most because we just come up with cliches. But this Saturday, EIHL, Saturday 7pm, Sunday 4pm. There's a webcast if you can't get yourself to the arena on Jan's TV. Sam Kitchen will be joined by... Um, Jeff Mason. Simon and Jeff, if you can't get down to the arena. But if you can't get down to the arena, Fantastic hockey, Simon. Sheffield Steelers not having the best of, you know, climbing the ladder from from their poor start of the season. But uh, how do you think these games are going to go? I think it'll be really tight, mate. Um, you know, Sheffield will be disappointed after another loss last night. And, uh, you know, they, they've got a good coach now. Well, they had a good coach before in Furnace. And just seen that he got another extension for his uh, friend, the DEL again. So, fair play to Paul Thompson. But, um you know, I thought that the you know this this leading into the Sheffield games uh, for us, it's, you know, we've had a in the league we're six and four in the last ten. Um, you know, we've, we've lost games against Manchester, we've lost game against Dundee. Uh, you know, it, it's 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 been a hard slog in the last couple of weeks and losing bodies as well, which hasn't helped. But this weekend, as I say, Sheds back. Um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, Paddy Dwyer's going to be firing all cylinders and, and Kyle Bond. I need a goal from him, so it's uh, it's going to be really tough. I'm, I'm not expecting any easy games against. You never do expect easy games against Sheffield, so it's uh, we'll wait and see what happens. But looking forward to getting the uh, 7 p.m. on Saturday night and get stuck into. And um, we talked about free beer earlier on the show. This weekend there is free hockey, and not just free hockey. 
really, really high standard NCAA women's hockey. Saturday at 3 p.m., Sunday at 12 p.m. Free tickets available. Aaron Coulter has done a brilliant preview piece, which we'll be putting up on KOTG website on Thursday morning. So thank him for that. But Simon, Joel, first of all, um, some brilliant hockey we're going to get to see at the weekend. I'm super excited for this. Uh, we've mentioned on previous uh, previous shows that this year's Friendship 4 was the first one that I really managed to take in every second of the action and, and to be involved kind of down in the tunnel interviewing and really just getting embedded in the whole experience. Um, I've missed it from for various reasons. I've been out of the country and I've missed it in previous years or only made a couple of games. And this to me is absolutely no different. Uh, the Clarkson Golden Knights are, are reigning NCAA D1 champions. They're being faced by Northeastern in a two-game series this weekend. There's a bigger conversation here about women in sport you need to look no further than our own Caitlin Morrison out doing what she's doing in Canada and um, following the footsteps of, of, of her dad um, it's it's just it's going to be absolutely fantastic and, and another first for Belfast the first international women's NCAA games ever and tickets are free and Simon you're going to be covering both of them uh, am I right in saying there's coverage yeah it's going uh, on the webcast Chance TV webcast going North America um, I'm not actually too sure uh, if it's uh if it's paid or if it's a freebie, I really don't know. Get the details and put it up in the on the our social media. But it's with regards to the access to the arena. There's no tickets. It's just come to the gate. They come to the doors. You'll be let in free uh, for the two games: three o'clock on Saturday, twelve o'clock on Sunday. Um, and then as soon as the game's over, we'll get you out and get ready for the Sheffield Steelers games. But I was lucky enough to see the Northeastern girls on the ice today. Um, you know, a couple of <laughs> there's some of those kids that are, are very very good. Um, looking forward to Clarkson. I'm going to see them tomorrow morning. Uh, they're on after the Giants are practicing, so uh, we'll wait and see how the how it comes off. But it's NCAA hockey, you know. It's, it'll it'll be it'll be outstanding. It's another another great event uh, being put together by the Odyssey Trust and uh, Hockey East and ECDAC. It's, it's it's just we we just continue to get better and better. It's that time of the show where we almost get to wrap things up. But before we do, gents, I'll come to you first, Simon Kitchen. If you any other business. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on uh, you threw it out Barry McKenzie. Barry used to come to uh, many, many moons ago. Um, you know, he played his 500th game uh, last night, I think tonight. it was. Tonight, 500th game tonight for uh, in the EIHL, which is, you know, it, it's a phenomenal record. It's, it's not to be sniffed at. He's played for eight different teams. Basingstoke, Coventry, Belfast, uh, Edinburgh, Cardiff, Dundee, Brayhead slash Glasgow slash Renfrewshire um, and Fife. <laughs> so, you know, at 500 games, it, it, congratulations to him. Um, and, uh, you know, you'd probably get more few games in him before uh, he retires in another couple of years. But real, real good lad uh, from a lovely family. Family are great as well. But um, uh, great to see him. And, and again, only only played a few games. Is it like 12? 12 games for Belfast. Yeah. But, uh, you know, 12 games of the Belfast Universe, 12 more than me, do we? <laughs> yeah. But that's a different story, he says. It should have been many, many more than 12 in the kitchen, if not for um, some personalities that were maybe about at the start. You know, I'd stick up for you. Should have been playing for the chance. Should have been playing for GB, but these things just weren't meant to be. Had to get a different coloured flag on me with the Irish team. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Julie? Any uh, any other business, my good man? Really, no. Apart from just the the 
the mention uh, there's been rumors and there's been I think confirmation at this point that the Clarkson pep band that were uh, I'd, I'd say one of the stars of, of one of the previous friendship fours uh, they, they occupied Boomerang Corner for the weekend and and created just some phenomenal music phenomenal atmosphere well they're back and they're back in town this weekend to cheer on the Clarkson women's team um, they're they're hopefully going to be sticking around after games and, and, and staying for the, the Giants and Sheffield games we'll see what we can do about uh, clashing the two corners together um, so if if, uh, if nothing else, uh, a fantastic entertainment guaranteed on ice and a really great atmosphere guaranteed off it. I really just hope that anybody who is able, anybody who has daughters, nieces, grannies, mums, any female friends, whatever, get them to the arena and, and show them that hockey is not just a men's sport, that there are serious opportunities for anyone from any part of the world if they want to get involved in the women's game. And it's also open to you even at a recreational level or even just in terms of the fan base. I think the Giants have an, a, a disproportionately large female fan base compared to other big sports um, in the UK and whatever. Um, and it's just lovely to see that that sort of uh, continuing development of the women's game and, and getting that opportunity to, to, to put it on the on the biggest stage in the in the city and um, i just think anybody who has an interest in sport and women's place in sport uh, and, and how that's developing they need to get down and bring as many as possible thank you joel and i uh, re- sort of applaud what you said there there's there's opportunities for women here just to, even to come along and watch games it's not about playing take part in the belfast giants there's ever it's a you know what what was the old you know it's a game for for Game for all, game for, for all, everyone. Game for everyone. I knew what I was trying to think of. But anyway, thanks. <laughs> um, the only thing I have in any other business is I'd like to thank Laura Small for getting Nicole Hollywood up the other night to to get her shirt that she won in the Paxton Schulte draw. She was delighted with it, all decked out in her Toronto Marlies gear. And thanks to Steve Thornton for presenting that. We have a girl called Tanya Vu. I don't know if anybody knows her out there. Tanya won tickets to a game of her choice. She hasn't gotten in touch with us yet. So if you know Tanya, get her to get in touch with us. But I'd like to thank everyone for their interaction on Twitter. You can get us on Twitter at AVFTV. Search our Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat, whatever. Email us at podcast at kingdomjans.com. Check out all the articles on kingdomjans.com. Say Aaron Coulter's got a great one. Patty's been working away and Joel working away on the site all week. Me and Simon sort of, you know, take the plaudits for that. But those guys are the ones that are busy working away on that. And, you know, if you can't get to the game this weekend, you can get them on, on the webcast and good friends at Jans TV. Thank our sponsors again, Beer 52, TPF for the for the interviews, phone and cab for the trophies, and back to Patty Smith. Thanks to Davy, to Simon and to Joel. Great show there. Excellently handled and uh, good practice for them when I go on holiday at about a month's time. So good, I think I might actually put some retirement plans in place. Uh, but thanks to the boys, thanks to Colin Shields, Adam Keefe, and to Mark Garside as well for stepping in. And to everybody who sent in your fan agenda questions. Uh, big weekend at the SSA, as we know, the was NCAA Games, and the Sheffield Steelers are in time. But wherever you are this weekend, we hope you enjoy your hockey, and we'll catch you here next time on A View from the Bridge. Podcast Network.